Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. He's one of the reasons Thursday is a day we all look forward to. Arun Pai joining us this morning as we discuss the value of the cryptocurrency market. Why we're hearing a warning that cryptocurrencies may not be suitable for retail investors. Actually, the, the quote is certainly not suitable for retail investors from Senior Minister Taman Shanmugaratnam, Chairman of the MAS. And we'll take a look at Coinbase's valuation. What a quarterly um, result, eye-watering, right? Uh, also, South Korea e-commerce giant Coupang. How exactly do we value Coupang? You've heard it in the news. Rose 41% after its trading debut. Uh, it, the biggest U.S. initial public offering since Uber. But how do you value Coupang? We take a look through the eyes of seasoned investor Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. How are you, Arun? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Michelle. I'm very good. How are you? Terrific. Terrific. Good of you to join us. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. So Monday made the news, the value of cryptocurrency topping $2 trillion for the first time, driven by a rally in Ether, which we know is the second largest digital coin. According to CoinGecko, in just over two months, the market cap of the crypto market has doubled. Retail institutional investors all piling into this space. But give us your view. What do you think? Think is powering the crypto market. Oh, it's pretty amazing, right? I, I, at this point, like a trillion here, a trillion there is kind of just noise in the crypto market given the volatility. But no, it's really, uh, I, I think the absolute value of the crypto market is definitely something to look at. And now that it's crossed $2 trillion, it's just a gigantic number. But also what's equally important, you mentioned Ether, but the number of other altcoins that are there so now Bitcoin is now apparently like close to 50% of the market cap of all uh, cryptocurrency coins, which used to be at one point of time as high as like 75%. Mm. So it seems like the whole attention in the crypto market is now not just on Bitcoin, but it's kind of like diversifying into a bunch of other coins also, which is something that I think, you know, investors in the spectrum should be paying attention to. But broadly speaking, though, while I'm sure there might be a couple of coins that might have some through, you know, real economy use case scenarios, it's, it's the same tailwinds that are like pushing up all of these cryptocurrencies. FOMO, because, you know, any asset that's gone up multiple times, like over 10, 20, 50 times over the past couple of years, you'll have a lot of people now hearing about it, be it in the media or like newspapers and now thinking, oh, you know, I need to get in on this action immediately. So there's that aspect coupled with uh, greed, right? Plain and simple. How do I make money extremely quickly? Hope to get like a five bagger or a 10 bagger, which basically means multiplying your capital that you put in by 10 times over a period of a year, get uh, rich quickly. And I think that aspect of the financial market has not changed at all, be it in dot-com stocks, be it in cryptocurrencies, or be it in uh, purchasing tulips back in Holland in the 1700s. Yeah, but were companies... Purchasing tulips, I mean, you know, Tesla Square coming in. We've seen conflicting headlines. I think it's hard for the retail investor to be rational about this. When you look at the figures and you see Bitcoin rallying over 100% this year, the rational 
choice might be to wonder how can I be part of that rally, right? And we're seeing billionaire investor Mark Cuban owning Ether, saying it's the closest we have to a true currency. On the other hand, you know, we do have warnings here in Singapore um, by way of headlines. We saw women losing life savings with a crypto trading platform, Torque. Um, you know, she had bought $50,000 worth of digital money back in 2019, invested it with uh, Torque, which is an online trading platform, and now is one of the 100 people filing police reports against the company. Um, so, you know, in her 50s, self-employed, and lost a lot of money. And even Metakoven, you know, well, he was called Metakoven. We know his name is Vignesh <laughs> Sundaresan, and he has... He is the man who spent more than $69 million for that piece of digital art. And he's saying, be prepared to lose your money because uh, buyers of non-fungible tokens, he's saying, this is speculative space. So I guess my broader question is, how can investors best make sense of these headlines today? You know, that that's absolutely spot on. Like, it's one thing having a view, and you could be right or wrong, obviously, as for the you know factors that you mentioned, oh, I see Tesla buying this, I see Square buying this, I see Cuban buying this. Mm. Let me try and invest money into this. But then the vehicle with which you invest money, be it Torque or from a larger perspective, like you know Mount uh, Gox, if you remember that back in the day, right. founded in 2010, bankrupt in 2000, I don't know, 15, 18 or something. It was handling 70% of all Bitcoin transactions worldwide. And people put in a lot of money and, you know, uh, they took Bitcoin from a dollar or $10 up to thousands of dollars. And they were sitting on like millions of dollars of potential paper profit. And then the underlying exchange went bankrupt. And, and this is exactly the problem that we see in these kinds of gray area regulated markets mm. where you get all these like platforms that get set up. They're obviously nowhere nearly as secure as you know, say like your DBS, UOB, OCBCs, or even like the much lesser known banks, because they're there to try to profit from this, uh, you know, insanity that's going on in the cryptocurrency market to a very large extent. And then suddenly the next day, these underlying platforms disappear, and then it's kind of game over because your entire amount of capital that you put in, forget about your profit, but the amount of capital that you put in has gone, has been lost. And that's exactly what I think, you know, Senior Minister Mr. Thurman was saying, especially for retail investors, you know, everybody wants to get rich quickly, right? Like this aspect of greed is always going to be there. But an accredited investor who, say, put in like a couple of hundred thousand dollars or a mil million dollars can potentially afford to lose it. When retail investors get involved and they start putting in some amount of their savings, like that's how it always starts, right? And then you see the 4x, 5x return, and then greed kicks in, and then you start deploying a lot more capital into it until your life savings of, you know, 10,000, 100,000, half a million dollars, whatever that number might be, you put it all into this platform expecting, I think, in, in, that, in that specific case, if I remember reading it correctly, mm. she convinced her family members to give her money too. Yep. and paying them interest rate of like 1% or 2% per month. Yep. And, you know, uh, I don't know, like from the perspective of a retail investor, whenever you see such eye-popping numbers of headline returns, one should always take a step back and wonder, is this thing actually for real? Is there something, you know, shady or dodgy that's going on underneath the sheets? And I think that's something 
that across all aspects of investment, investors should be extremely careful about. If your interest rates are basically 0%, how is this instrument being able to generate such kind of returns? And that's something that, you know, everyone should continuously question before making any investment decision. And that's why I think it's very wise for the minister to come out right now. Like, and this is not just restricted to a torque, right? There are like tens or hundreds of such platforms that I've read about in forums Mm. where people keep popping up saying that they've made five times returns in the last three months. You know, you can easily make three times returns over the next couple of months. It's just... uh, uh, smoke and mirrors. One should be very, very careful with this thing. Yeah, especially with your life savings. And you're right, the woman who lost uh, her investment to Torque says her losses amount to $2.5 million because of those, you know, uh, the monies that she had convinced her elderly relatives to invest with her, I guess. Gosh, all right, let's look at Coinbase, though. So it's all part of this, I suppose... Um, seen that people wonder if it's if there's any parallels between what they're seeing in the crypto market and the early days of the internet boom and like you say you know fear of missing out certainly part of it but when you look at the financials of you know a company like coinbase for example um the, we we saw eye-watering valuation you know the first qu- quarter results right revenue climbing more than nine fall from a year earlier to about 1.8 billion dollars so what is driving Coinbase's surge? Can we say with any more concreteness than what is driving the you know, two trillion dollar capital, um, the, the two trillion dollar market of the cryptocurrency market as a whole? When we look at Coinbase, is there more certainty into what is driving this company forward? Right. So, so they've definitely done a phenomenal job of capturing the interest of market participants in this specific space. And, you know, 9x revenue growth, 1.8 billion. The number, I, I think it also boils down to the, the number of like monthly transacting users or MTU. And this is a metric that they uh, were highlighting quite extensively in various interviews and stuff that have been, uh, you know, broadcast on YouTube and other media channels. Mm-hmm. But that number is currently at like 6.1 million. And this is like monthly transacting users. And this is off of their user base of close to 60 million verified accounts on the platform. So 10% of which are your, let's just say, monthly traders or more high frequently frequency traders. And then since they obviously have absolutely no idea where the revenue is going to be in the near future, mm-hmm. the way they've gone about doing their forecasting is from the 6.1 million They've drawn up three scenarios mm-hmm. where if things continue going at this pace, we expect that number to become 7 million uh, the next quarter. Or it can like peter down to 5.5 if there's a decent correction in Bitcoin and other currencies. And the third case, which is the most bearish scenario, is it drops down to 4 million if we see another crypto winter. So I, I think the, the possibility of trying to value this business is extremely difficult. I think currently it's at close to like 60 or 70 billion dollars in the private market space and now just IPOing. So from that regard, I think, you know, like assigning a number to this is next to impossible. I think just kudos should be given to the fact that they've enabled or they've created such a tech-savvy platform where 56 million people are present over there. They're able to uh, have a very sleek UX UI to enable 10% of them to be continuously transacting 
And then this other interesting point that their CEO highlighted mm-hmm. was, you know, how are you valuing this company and what is where is the next step of growth coming from, right? Because yeah. when you have 60 million verified users already, that's a substantial portion of uh, the U.S. investable market and, and Europe to some extent also. Where do you see the growth coming from? And his point was it's going to potentially be from all these, not Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but all these other coins, all these other altcoins where, uh, you know, this exchange or this platform that they've created will keep putting in all these or enable traders or investors to keep, uh, you know, getting access to these other new coins. And through that act, through that avenue is where this platform can make a lot more money. So it's not going to be Bitcoin. It's going to be not even Ether, but all these other new coins and currencies that are going to be coming onto the market. And I think that's something quite interesting mm-hmm. because if we actually come into uh, an, in, into a world where central banks have clamped down on these kind of cryptocurrencies, but they enable certain real use case ones to uh, be actively traded in the exchange, that is where Coinbase can have, you know, like long-term visibility. It'll kind of be like the stock exchange, but for cryptocurrencies that are regulated by the central banks, there are true use cases in in society not just, you know, a couple of companies buying a whole bunch of them for a PR spiel. And I think that could be the next uh, leg of growth for Coinbase. So trading on Coinbase platform swelling, as is the company's revenue. Um, Do you think these first quarter numbers appear to bode well for the company's IPO next week on NASDAQ? Oh, most definitely. Like, it's the perfect timing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the equity markets are at a sky-high valuation Cryptocurrency is running extremely hot. From the from the perspective of insiders and Coinbase, it's an absolute no-brainer to you know take some money off the table right now and IPO. From the perspective of investors who might not be as lucky to have been private investors in Coinbase, I think it's time to maybe take a step back. And yes, you know I've been touting this whole thing that cryptocurrencies are way overvalued. This doesn't make any sense to me, etc. But I also like follow this guy, uh, this really interesting blog, hmm. Adventures in Capitalism, okay. uh, by a person called Cuppy. And uh, it was funny, like eight months ago, he came out with this really thought-provoking article, at least in my humble opinion, wherein he said, look, Bitcoin is a Ponzi scheme. There is no two ways about it. The valuation of Bitcoin is zero, but I am putting in a massive chunk of my portfolio into Bitcoin because I believe the way the actions of the central banks across the world in terms of debasement of currencies, there will be no avenue but for people to start investing a lot more into uh, this cryptocurrency. And he's up 8x and he came out with an article literally just a couple of hours ago and I was Mm. reading it uh, before coming on to your show. Mm. And he was like, you know what? I told you guys I took half my money out a couple of weeks ago. Right now, I've taken out all my money from Bitcoin because... He's going to buy Coinbase! (laughs) No, is is the thesis (laughs) valid that cryptocurrencies are still, uh, you know, there is no other avenue because of the debasement of uh, underlying fiat currencies by central banks? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's a bit of a question mark when you have, you know, a $2 trillion market cap, be it $1 trillion or $2 trillion, whatever that number is, it's gone up so much already. You have... People coming into the market to try to take profit, 
And that's Coinbase. That's like the dot-com companies coming up with cat.com and IPOing mm. to just, you know, extract value from this market. So from that regard, he seems to think, you know, his gut is taking over and he's saying, I'm going get, to get out of this space right now. I've made enough money from it. Mm. And so, so from that regard, you know, Coinbase, uh, typically these are stories that are set six months or a year post the bubble popping. And then us going back saying, oh, you know, that was the moment where we should have known it was overvalued. And his perspective is that Coinbase is that moment. <laughs> that is fascinating. Thank you for leading us uh, to that blog. I'm going to check it out myself. I should point out there are restrictions for Singaporeans and Australians on the Coinbase platform. I learned about this because a listener actually wrote to me and said, I bought some Bitcoin on Coinbase's Singapore platform, tried to do a test sale and then realized um, that I will not be able to sell any digital currency. You can send digital currency from your Coinbase account to another wallet or exchange, um, but you can't sell it. Imagine that for countries uh, like Australia and Singapore. So those are local rules. You can use Coinbase to make payments in cryptocurrencies, but not sell cryptocurrencies. Important to note, and I'll pick that up on another show that we're doing on uh, crypto exchanges. All right. Now, I think I think we're ready to move on from crypto news. Yes, let's <laughs> do that to another C. Let's look at South Korean e-commerce giant Coupang up 41% in its trading debut after delivering the biggest IPO, US IPO since Uber. Coupang's biggest backer is SoftBank Group. Open trading in New York on Thursday at 63.50 a share. Uh, biggest IPO in the US, Arun. How do we value Coupang? I mean, firstly, the company's growth has just been phenomenal, right? This was a business that was founded literally just a decade ago. And now it's already worth, you know, like $80 billion, give or take. Their claim to fame is, you know, obviously the Amazon of South Korea and the ability for them to get a package delivered at a person's doorstep in a relatively short period of time. How do they achieve this? through their extremely robust distribution network, wherein 70% of South Korea's population is within 10 kilometers of one of their fulfillment centers, which is just phenomenal, right? Like that's how they've gone about expanding so, so quickly. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so from that regard, and huge tailwinds, like Goldman Sachs just came out with a report as to why they believe the whole e-commerce market and why Coupang specifically is doing so well. And they listed four factors. Hmm. Uh, the whole aspect of online shopping, which is obviously picking up a lot of steam. In South Korea, very specifically, you have extremely high broadband uh, networks, so extremely uh, you know fast internet, basically. Really high amounts of mobile penetration. And you have extremely young, tech-savvy consumers who are able to you know just flip up, open their phones, press three buttons, and get some package delivered to their place. And they're more than happy to use that as compared to, you know, going to Gangnam, which is the equivalent of Orchard or whatever, and do like retail shopping. So all of those aspects have a lot going for it. But, you know, then it again, it just comes down to the valuation of the company. This is a company that, you know, trailing 12 months, it had a revenue of $12 billion. Obviously fantastic considering it was just founded 10 years ago. Gross profit of close to $2 billion because it is an e-commerce market play. The question then becomes, and obviously net income and, you know, a, a, any amount of lines that you go below that in the balance sheet start, start going into like big losses. 
then the question becomes, with a gross profit of $2 billion, you're valuing this at close to like $77 billion uh, as of today. And I think this is where Amazon has really skewed the entire marketplace, right? Uh, by marketplace, I mean like the share, like stock market. Because this, this, it's, it's that same story. Oh, you need to be able to grow. You need to be able to get those users. And then you'll be able to figure out how to truly monetize this. And while Amazon managed to do that incredibly well, primarily thanks to AWS, which in a way has nothing to do with their uh, logistics uh, you know, uh, vertical, the big question mark is, will these other businesses achieve the same kind of profitable vertical creation in the near future? And this is not just coupon, right? Like if you look at Grab, the whole story, it's going to be IPOing at close to like 35 billion dollars i believe over the next couple of weeks or something mm-hmm. it's that same story it's crazy amount of growth but in an underlying business of either e-commerce or of logistics like transportation transporting people neither of which is a particularly lucrative vertical to the bottom line so then you have to start expanding into i mean grabs trying food delivery which is broken even but will it be able to really make that much money question mark, or financial services. And that has to be the route that Coupang takes also where, you know, fantastic, I've got this really solid distribution network set up right now. How do I truly monetize this in a profitable way? And I think that's a big question mark, which Amazon has done phenomenally well with AWS, but will other companies be able to follow suit? I'm not so sure. Is it worth taking a punt when a company is already valued at like 70 plus billion dollars? Personally, I don't think so. And I think that's when you had a bunch of these investment banks coming out with their own research reports, and they've taken the safe approach of just, you know, estimating their value at the current market price, because that's the easy way out, right? Like, just estimate it at the current price, and uh, you can, it doesn't draw too many eyeballs to your report. So it, it's going to be a big question mark. Yeah, coupon hasn't had a good last five days. It is last done share price forty five thirty three US dollars down two point six six percent. All right, let's switch gears. You know, investors have been on edge watching the US Fed. Uh, the central bank has just released minutes from its March meeting. It gave us insights into its views on economic growth and inflation, which we know inflation in particular has been a major concern for investors this year because they're worried that rising prices could lead the Fed to reverse its easy money policy. And we are seeing the impact on prices from supply chain bottlenecks. So um, can an investor, Arun, protect their portfolio from possible rate hikes? I mean, first and foremost, I would say this fixed income is really not the place to be in right now, especially long-term bonds that have a much higher duration. So those are the ones that, you know, and Warren Buffett's written about this Ray Dalio wrote about this. Fixed income does not seem to be the place that investors should be in right now unless they can peer into their you know, crystal ball and can envision a scenario in which inflation really does not pick up over the next five to 10 years. Or even if it does pick up, I would say the rate of growth of inflation is so small and steady that the Fed... Uh, and, you know, they publicly come out and said, even if inflation goes above the 2% threshold, that's going to be completely fine because it has to average out, uh, you know, in this past decade of inflation basically being close to zero. So 
I, I think, you know, any investor who wants to be in fixed income right now really has to have a very strong view that inflation is not going to pick up. The rate of growth on inflation is not going to be high. So that even if it trickles up to say like two and a half or three percent, it'll happen very, very gradually over this decade of, uh, you know, 2020 to 2030. Other than that, if you do not have that kind of crystal ball, dare I say, the, you know, the easy money to be had in terms of being long fixed income instruments has kind of gone over the past five or 10 years. Rather than that, I think, you know, it boils down to that same premise of value investing, wherein you look to buy companies that have a solid competitive moat around it, Mm -hmm. which enables businesses as and when their underlying cost is increasing, they are able to pass that cost down to the the users or the consumers of its product or service. So, you know, an example is uh, if you're selling just a raw material like copper or aluminum or something, sure, you can take a huge advantage of the massive spike of inflation, right? Because as copper prices shoot through the roof, these manufacturers are just like, look, this is what the cost is. I have to pass this down to the user of that. Here you go. Then comes the next step of the supply chain. Does, say, the car manufacturer or, an air, or an air, the aero industry, do they have enough of a brand name? Do they have enough of a competitive edge in their product or offering that they can take that increase in price of the raw material and pass that down to the consumer or not? So, like, a good question is if Coca-Cola increases the price of its, uh, you know, soft drink bottle by 2% or 5%, will people really switch over from Coke to a Pepsi? Probably not. Same thing goes to Apple, right? Like, if they increase the price of their iPhone by another $50, it's probably like $2,000 right now. It makes it 2100 Will it really affect or change people who want to get the latest iPhone? No, it won't. So I think it's these kinds of companies and businesses that investors should be paying a lot more attention to for investing in the long run than maybe just a momentum play that might have worked out really well in the past six months or a year. But if and when the bubble does pop, it's going to be these companies that have, you know, ironclad balance sheets, great brand names, very strong competitive mode, solid uh, management to steer the company through this. Power Insights. You always have us at the edge of our seats. He's one of our favorite investors to speak with. Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me as always, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.